And um, if you were here a few weeks ago for Pastor Greg Murray's um, message, it's going to be in that similar form. So it's funny because I didn't know Greg was going to bring up um, his wife to share some things that he stole my idea. Um, I was going to get Beck to come up anyway. Um, and really, it's about sharing, you know, dating 101. That's what this um, topic is today, about dating. Um, and before I start, I want to give you guys some statistics, not to scare you, but just to let you know the reality of the world that we're in right now. So 2019, the Pew Research Center survey said 77% of single adults who are looking for a relationship said they would consider a relationship with someone of a different religion. 9% said they definitely would not date someone from a different religion. 65% say sex between unmarried adults in a committed relationship is, is acceptable at least sometimes, of which 43% who say it is always acceptable. 62% say casual sex between consenting adults who are not in a committed relationship is also seen as generally acceptable. 49% say it is acceptable for consenting adults to exchange explicit images of themselves. And then 2020, there's a Gallup research survey that says, in 2006, 65% of weekly church attendees said that it was very important that couples who brought children together legally marry. And in 2020, that went down to 45%. Again, in 2006, 82% of weekly churchgoers say marriage is very important for couples who want to spend their lives together. And again, 2020, that's down to 67%. And lastly, the most recent one, there's a 2023 Bumble app survey that says 63% of daters are now looking for emotional maturity before physical looks. This is after COVID. 39% of people in the Bumble app have ended a marriage or a serious relationship in the past two years, and 36% of those people are using dating apps for the first time. And lastly, 40% are approaching sex and intimacy in an open and exploratory way, but 34% of people aren't having sex right now, and they're okay with that. Why am I mentioning all these statistics, right? It's very raw, it's very honest, but that's the world that we live in now, right? We look at TV shows, we look at books, we look at social media, we look at how it tells us how we should date people, until, and how many people we should date until we find the right one. The world tells us the way we date is to satisfy ourselves, our wants, our needs, our, our, you know, our compatibilities, all of these sort of things. And the world tells us that it's okay to follow your heart, do whatever we feel like, and that God wants to limit the desires of hearts. It's, if anything, it's just restricting what really we want. And yeah, that's true, you know. God's way of, of dating contradicts the world's way, but ultimately what we will see is that his way is better. So if I reread the Bible verse from Romans 12, 9 to 10, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So, you know, when we talk about dating today, okay, and we talk about this whole thing, we are talking about dating in such a way that shows that we love God sincerely. And how do we do that? We love Him sincerely by hating what God shows is evil, clinging on to what God tells us is good, true devotion to one another out of love for God, and honoring one another above our own selfish desires and wants. And I want to start with this. I want to start with all the statistics and what it means for love to be insincere, to hate what is evil, is because it's tough to accept this, right? 
from a worldly perspective, when everyone says it's okay to date in this way, it's tough to accept this view. And for some of you, it will be convicting to heart, as it's something some of you have gone through. And it will be hard to attain if you have isolated yourself from others and from God. And like I said, I'll be inviting Beck to share some parts through our dating relationship, I guess. Um, But for this message anyway, I'll be focusing more on the practical elements of dating and sharing my own experience with Beck of what we've learned, what we've struggled with, but ultimately how God has brought us together. Okay? So I'm going to pray and then we'll start. Father God, I just pray, Lord, um, that my message, Lord, would be your words, Father. Lord, as we tackle the topic of dating in relationships with Father God, give us wisdom, give us discernment. Show us, Lord, how you want us to honour you and to love you sincerely through this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So my first point in Dating 101 is friendship and accountability. I cannot tell you how important this is in the first process of dating. Um, so this is Beck and I when we were really, 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 really young. Um, we first, I, I blurred the other people because you know, obviously this is going online and I didn't get the permission to put this photo. But anyway, um, first became friends in 2000. And can I be very honest, I gave Beck a horrible, horrible first impression, okay? Um, I was a sleaze. I honestly, how I talked to girls was ridiculous. I was a typical teenage boy doing stupid things, okay? Um, Beck was good looking, and, but it wasn't love at first sight. Um, and actually, at the time, we were both in other relationships. Um, but we actually became really good friends over time. Um, and the funny thing is she doesn't know this, but, you know, um, she was a lawyer. She was the top of her class in high school in Sydney. So I already knew, like, she was way out of my league. Like, this is not possible. I, I, I cannot meet this person's expectations. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near that. Um, and you know what? I think the thing with my friendship and my accountability is that, firstly, through my friendship, I was able to understand who Beck really was, to grow, to know who she was in Christ, to know what she desired in her heart, not trying to impress her or anything like that. And then with my group of friends, I had that accountability as well. You know, we were friends for four years before dating. Um, And like I said, I was able to be completely honest, not have a mask, be myself and actually grow with one another. And knowing that this accountability group would call out on me if there was anything untoward, anything that it was silly or was like really rash. Um, So I'm going to invite Beck to come up. And um, Beck, I've got this question for you. How do you feel about me and our friendship group? Hi, Church. Um, yeah, I think that I remember it as a very fun time. Um, it was a time when we served together. We talked about God together. We were figuring out our faith together um, in a way that, yeah, that really meant we were literally growing together in faith. And, um, you know, we were able to kind of share our how God, you know, what God was teaching us and our experiences of him. And it was just a really safe space um, to, to be myself. I think that's really, um, the, you know, where the safety comes from, when you're friends enough to just be yourself. Um, but, yeah, so what Edwin said was absolutely right. He made a very, very bad first impression. Um, I, 
I saw him and I thought, oh, he's a pretty cute guy. And then I heard him speak and I was like, this is not the guy for me. It was, it was, I, he was so seriously friend-zoned that at one point um, I said to one of my other friends, I don't even see him as male. Like, that's, that's how friend-zoned he was. So, so those guys in the friend-zone, don't give up hope. And you know what? I said I wouldn't date an older person, and, and here we go. So, <laughs> friend-zoned and, you know, all, all the things that you have your ideals out the window. Um, but honestly, like, it was through... This friendship that I had with Beck, this accountability that actually moulded and shaped me in who I was in Christ. As you know, when you're dating and you're trying to impress and you're trying to do things, a lot of the things when you're trying to shape yourself through God, literally goes out the window because you're like, I need to do everything I can to be the best person. And, and sometimes what we know is best is completely different from what God knows best. Um, so let's look at accountability firstly. You know, let's compare this to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, if I didn't have accountability of godly friends that challenged me, that refined me, that accepted me for who I was, I probably wouldn't be here at church today. Um, you know, my character back then, like, sure, I was a sleaze and I, I did all these horrible things, but I was an extreme introvert. So it's by God's grace that I'm here talking in front of you. Um, I would prefer to isolate, to not to have friends. Remember, like I've shared probably for some of you previously in a different sermon uh, about my nickname, Dud. And it was, uh, the nickname is Dumb Ud. I'll explain another day. But I used to do a lot of silly things, and that's what shaped me who I was. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm the person that's a whole lot of silly things. I'm not good enough. And, and that put me in that mold of who I was. Um, but you know what? The funny thing is I, I still wanted people to love me. I still wanted friends. I may have been an extreme introvert, but I still had these desires. Um, and to be honest, I can't express how important it is to have friendship and accountability and how important it is to dating, you know, to stay connected with our friends even when we're dating. We know maybe in your, in your friendship groups, you know the people that start to go out and then they isolate themselves and it's very easy to lose touch with your friendship groups. I get it when you're courting and you're having this fun. But it is so important to be able to get to know one another, to have that accountability, to have those checks and balances. Because without this, we are isolating ourselves away from God, godly wisdom and counsel, and are relying purely on the heart. And if you remember Pastor Greg's message, he said, your heart and emotions are a terrible decision maker. Feelings come and go. So if you can at all, if you're thinking about dating, try and be friends before you start dating. I know it's hard. I know it's really hard. You interact with them and you want to do all these things. But there are some things that you show your friends that you don't show your potential love interest. Again, friend zone, right? Like the things that I did, I, I look back, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I used to do those things to Beck. But that's what you do when you're friends. You just be yourself. You can be more truly yourself because you're not just trying to put on a good front and vice versa. You can see more about this person as a friend than if you start dating right away. And like I said, the world thinks your friends are, and we've seen all those memes and all sorts of stuff, and you're stuck there for life. But what does God say? You know, in, in um, Proverbs 18, 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
And the irony, right, is when you, you, you go to weddings or you get married, you hear this phrase so many times, you are my best friend, right? We talk about friend zone here, but then we get married, you're my best friend. Like, come on, like, where's the irony in that? It's full circle. And like, to be honest, for me, it's like, well, I'm in the best friend zone for life with Beck, and I love it that she knows me, that I've been able to grow with her, and, and, and when we're able to continue to spur each other on. So through my relationship and accountability with my friends, honestly, I didn't know at the time, um, God was refining and preparing me to date, to approach it with a pure heart in a God-honoring way. So that's the first thing, okay, when we talk about friendship and accountability. Number two, Christ-centered values, okay? This is another important one. Um, so my dating, this is probably one of our earliest pictures. We look really young there, like we've aged because of four kids. So, um, but through this friendship, I was able to truly get to know Beck, love her for who she is, accept her for who she was in Christ. Um, you know, there'll be many times we, we'd, I drive her, she used to live in the city. So you think this is really creepy, right? But I'll drive her to the city, go back. And honest to God, like it was as a friend, we would have chats, talk about all sorts of things, and we'd, we'd just love it. Like, no, no, no feelings whatsoever. We shared about God's desires and wants in our lives. We prayed with one another, had deep, godly conversations, funny ones, silly ones, heartfelt and convicting ones. We cried together. All these things where we shared our heart. Um, you know, we, we served together as youth leaders. Um, we served together in music ministry. We went to youth camps together. We, we did all of this. We had Christ-centered values together. And I guess as we were, were friends, something suddenly just clicked. I'm like, oh, I like her now. I, I want to be with her. I love her for who she is. I love her for what she stands for. I love her for the little things, her laugh, her size, her competitive spirit when we, when we, you know, when we play um, Risk and all sorts of things. It's really competitive, but I love that. Um, I love her for how she loves her family, how she loves the church, how she loves God. I'm like, there's all these things change. I'm like, oh, I, I actually really fancy her now. So that's my end of the side. That's my side. Um, Beck, how did you feel about our dating journey from friendship? Um, I think, yeah, it was sort of within the safety of friendship that um, I was able to see that he actually genuinely loved me for me because, um, yeah, I was really not putting on a show. <laughs> um, you know, he'd seen me when I was, like, super annoyed with my sister. You know, <laughs> you, know you just don't show those parts of yourself necessarily to people you're trying to impress. Um, you know, he'd, yeah, he'd seen me kind of really when I was not really behaving very well. And so for him to kind of come and say, I actually really like you. Um, and, and I knew that he knew me. And I think it's this thing where I was talking about to be known and to be loved. I think that's the, that's the benefit of, of growing in love that way. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> there was a time when um, I was very disorganised as a, as a young adult. And um, there was one time when he tried to tell me that I needed to lift my game with the organisation. But 
It took him half an hour of talking before I realised what he was trying to say because he was so afraid of offending me that um, he was kind of like going around in circles to get to the point. And, but he cared enough about me to actually point it out to me. And I think that's when I, re- like, that's when I really realised, like, this guy, he actually genuinely, like, he genuinely cares about me. And so, um, so I think, yeah, it's, if you, I understand it's very hard to do, but if, at, if you can do it at all, try and, and know them as a person. Because, um, yeah, the attraction is great, but, I mean, you're, this is the person that you're planning to live with for the rest of your life. And it's so important for you to know who they are. You know, again, like Pastor Greg, feelings come and go. And, and I think as you understand their, their Christ-centered valleys, um, you know, it, it was through her actually Christ-centered valleys that I was able to grow in my walk with God. I was able to understand that it was aligning with mine and that how, you know, it really granted me the des- desires of my heart. I'm like, oh, here we go. I completely thought I was friend zone and she was out of my leg and, and here we are. I get to go out with her. This is awesome. You know, Psalm 37 verse 4, you know, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That rang true. So instead of my heart wanting and then me trying to get God to give me what I wanted, it was God providing for me what my heart desired as we sought after him together. You know, like our journey of faith, you know, we think we know what we really want, right? We don't know what we want. We think we know what's best, but it's only what God provides for us in his timing, in his way, according to his will, that is best for us. Um, Now, I've got this verse here, and we're going to get into, yeah, this is where I talk about a a bit more raw and a bit more deep, you know, Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And here it is. The danger of not having Christ-centered values is that we rely on our own values. Now, don't get me wrong. Family values, core values that we believe in are not wrong, okay? But when they go against our Christ-centered values, that's when trouble arises. Um, you know, and if you've heard from both of us and you're, if you've talked to us many times, we, we, we have very strong Christ-centered values in our relationship. But two things that have always been difficult conversations for us have been education and money, okay? Because those values that we, we that have come out of birth is we, you know, in our two different families, we grew up very, very differently. Um, we valued those things very differently. Um, and, you know, we used to have big fights on how to spend money, um, how we were going to educate our child, many, many fights on these sort of things. But you know what? As we continue to take delight in God... He has provided. He's resolving these issues. And we are basically continuing on our friendship journey of challenging one another, refining one another, accepting each other for who they are. And because we sought Christ's values first, slowly, our self-values are slowly aligning to each other as we align to Christ. I think it's through that that we are able to understand, okay, I understand where these values are coming from. God, I submit this to you. 
You know, I'm going to let go of what I hold so dearly, something that's so precious to me and my family or my upbringing, and I give them to you, God. And so this brings me to something I really need to mention in dating, okay? Dating non-Christians. And in the statistics at the start, it said 77% of single adults who are looking for a relationship said they would consider a relationship with someone of a different religion. 9% said they definitely would not date someone from a different religion. Now, let me bluntly say this, okay? I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to condemn. I'm not here to convict. But I'm here to tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 to 15. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? And church, I understand. I understand the desire to date. I get it. I truly do. I understand too that dating Christians can be can bring extra judgment, right? About where our spiritual walk is, um, the extra hypocrisy, the extra criticism. Um, and for those maybe that you are in that relationship, I know that it's hard for the to hear the Bible saying strolling with the devil because I know that's hard to hear. How can I, I say that about someone um, just because they don't believe in God? You know, they are lovely. They're not untrustworthy. There is no war going on. They're great people. Um. Let me tell you this quote from Timothy Keller, which, funnily enough, you know, I love now because of Beck. Um, and this is a Q&A that he shared about dating non-Christians, and he says this. If you get to the place where you, you'd like to marry someone, but that person doesn't share your commitment to Christ, the reason you can't go forward is when the other person says, oh, I don't mind practicing your religion. I'm not going to try to keep you from your religion, but I just don't have your religion now. What that means is the person looks into your heart and sees the thing that's the most important thing in the world to you, and she doesn't get it. And what that means is ultimately a loss of intimacy. There's only two things you can do. You can get intimate with her by putting God on the outskirts of your life and putting her in the center, or else you can keep God in the center of your life, and then she'll go to the outskirts. When I'm making a major decision, I'm thinking about God, and you wouldn't understand. That means that when we come to make decisions together, I'm going to have to hide from you the most important thing in my life, and you don't want that. So you have to say now, unless either you start moving towards the same belief I have, or we're probably not going to be able to go forward in our relationship. So church, it may be fine now to date. I get it. When, when you're courting and, and you're going on dating and all these sort of things, but major decisions become major boundaries. And can I share from a, a kid's pastor point of view that I cannot tell you how many families that I've encountered where one parent is a Christian and the other is not. And I, I, I can tell it's hard to raise children in a godly way because many times I see that these child's values and these child's attitudes are, are not quite right. The family's values and priorities are not quite right. The disagreements in, in the marriage are exhausting for, for one of them. The desperate requests for prayer, please help me with my wife, my husband to believe in God because it is breaking our family apart. I know that's hard to hear, but I see that week in, week out. 
And if you're considering this type of relationship or are currently in this type of relationship, I just want you to think about this. And I, as I said, I'm not here to convict or, or, or to hurt, but I say this in love. When there is this God that you truly value and love and desire and the other doesn't feel the same way, it makes major decisions infinitely more difficult. Not, we're not only talking about money and education, but how to grow our family, what are our, our Christ-centered values, all of this. And can I say on top of this, this is not just a, a non-Christian to Christian thing. Actually, this is a warning for Christian couples as well. If one is on fire for God and the other is slowly falling away from God, the same thing applies. Because remember, the danger of not having Christ-centered values is that we rely on what we think, and very often we are wrong. Christ-centered values are so important. Okay, so it seems that Beck and I have had the perfect relationship, right? We, we go to camps together, we go to youth group, um, we've had friendship, all this kind of stuff. We've had a family of friends. It sounds perfect, but I, I honestly wanted to share with you one of the biggest downfalls of any relationship, and that is boundaries, okay? I'm a guy, I admit, and I struggled with physical boundaries. Um, I loved Beck. I wanted to be with her, and naturally I wanted more. Through my struggle with pornography as a high school student, there were desires to do more. And, you know, the idea of being a hypocritical Christian rang true. I would struggle with boundaries. Then straight afterwards or the day after, I'd go to church and serve God. I'd struggle with boundaries. And then I'd hear a Christian song on the radio. I'd struggle with boundaries. And then I, I, I tried to seem godly to my friends and put on that mask to say everything's perfect. You know, it is so hard to accept what God wants when the world says otherwise, that it's okay, you can do this, there's, there's nothing wrong with having sexual intimacy and all this kind of stuff. But what does God say? 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20 says this, run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So sinning against your own body, given to you by God, bought at a high price, Honoring God with your body. You know, all of this, remembering that, remembering your first love to God, that commitment that you made to Him, remembering that our bodies are sacred temples and reserved for marriage, like Greg shared two weeks ago. But if that's still hard to accept, you know, let's look at our other scripture reading, 2 Timothy 2, 22. Flee the desires of Flee the desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So even then, for Timothy, as Paul writes, he was fleeing evil desires of youth, and that was just as relevant back then as it is today. It's the evil desires um, that, although accepted by the world, easily prevent us from pursuing righteousness, faith, Love and peace. It's evil desires that all the accepted by the world easily prevent us from pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. 
And that's why everyone feels bad after, after crossing these boundaries. It's like a child that has done something wrong. We know in our hearts that we cannot sin and at the same time do what is right in God's eyes. We cannot sin and be faithful in following in His ways. We cannot sin and love Him with all of our hearts. We cannot sin and live in His peace. But to do these things, we need to call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pure heart. And again, when I talk about that friendship, when I talk about that accountability, all of that, that's when all this starts to play because they should be keeping you in check. Those are the places where you can share these honest conversations and ask for forgiveness, ask for prayer, wise counsel, all of this. And again, if, if you are struggling with this right now, or maybe you've crossed this boundary, I don't want you to feel guilty and, and feel convicted like there's no hope. I want you to take heart. You know, I remember um, from Beck's uh, message last week from the parent-child sermon, um, because what Satan meant to harm you, he can use for good. Because what Satan meant to harm you, he can use for good. Genesis 50, 20, she said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And this is what I love about God. He is a relational God. He's a loving God. He understands us, loves us, forgives us, us, shows us his grace, love, and mercy. But that doesn't mean you should continue to sin and continue this sexual sin. Because his promise to use evil for good doesn't mean there aren't consequences. So the sooner you stop sinning, the better. This applies for every sin, okay? Not just sexual sin. And if you still feel like it's too hard, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And again, in Jude 1.24, it says, he is able to keep us from falling. You know, so Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But God can use it for good in his timing, in his will, for his purpose. And that's a good segue to the last point. And the last point of dating 101 is purpose. Okay? So if we talk about purpose, we were going out for a few years and being honest, we didn't really seek God on whether each other were the one, okay? We were young, we were a bit naive, we just had fun, and, and that was it, right? We were pretty young, but the purpose of dating is for marriage. So a few years in, um, I can't exactly remember how many years in, um, it's been a while now, <laughs> um, but Beck asked to take a two-week break to confirm whether or not we should be together or not. Um, I also had my doubts, because if you've heard in my previous sermons, you know, my, my parents were not accepting of our relationship. And being honest to God, I remember those two weeks were the longest and most difficult weeks of my life. There was so much crying, there was so much pain, I was all like, I can't live without it. You know, or you know what it's been like. You know that sort of feeling. You've, some of you have been there and done that, you get it, okay? But when I truly let go, and I sought God whether or not we were meant to be together, it really felt like a huge burden being lifted off. If anything, the confirmation of us being together made me love her more. So, Beck, I ask you, you know, what was your journey through God's purpose in our relationship um, during this time? Um, yeah, I think that um, 
I really had to come to a place of surrender to kind of really sit down with God and say, you know, if this is not what you want, God, then take it away because I trust you. And I want what you want and nothing less. Um, I think it was sort of a coming to, you know, really sitting down with myself and going, do I really believe that God knows best or not? Do I really trust him with my life or not? And so I think that, you know, part of putting God first is to hold everything else loosely and to trust in what he chooses to give you. And I think, yeah, when... I'm not sure it got resolved necessarily in the two weeks, but I think that attitude really helped the rest of the relationship um, to kind of, I think sometimes, yeah, we just think that this must be the way and, and that's not something that we should approach God with because, yeah, he can make a way when there is no way to us. And so, yeah, I think it was just approaching the relationship with surrender um, was really important. So neither dating nor courtship is mandated in Scripture, okay? Um, this is just a quote online. In the end, the Christian character and spiritual maturity of the couple is far more important than the exact nature of how and when they spend time together. The result of the process, whatever the method is, should be godly Christian and men Godly Christian men and women marrying and raising families that honour God. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So I share this because to end, the Bible doesn't say anything specifically about dating, okay? There's a lot of principles on friendship, a lot of principles on marriage, on parenting, on seeking accountability. Dating didn't exist back then, okay? Because parents basically arranged their marriages back then. Um, however, like everything else we do, the purpose of dating must be to honour God with that relationship and approach it with marriage in mind. I know that's hard to, again, accept for some of you that maybe are very early in, in your dating relationships or thinking about it. But the more that we had those Christ-centered values, the more we aligned ourselves with his will, the more we genuinely loved each other, the more we were each other's best friend. So we wanted to make a 100% commitment to each other and to God. We wanted to honor God with our relationship, our marriage, and we wanted to do everything all for the glory of God. Um, if you're going to ask um, the music team to come up, that'd be great. Because... Can I share, like, you know, Beck and I have been married for, for 13 years now, and she's my best friend. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like a fairy tale. Like, yeah, sure, you have your fights and your disagreements, but it's been such a joy growing up together, knowing her, raising a family. And I want to grow old with her, like the notebook, right? <laughs> Holding her hand while, before she, you know, dying together, all that kind of stuff, till death or part, all of that. That's what I want. I want to be that old couple sitting in a cafe, holding hands and chatting and, and everything. That's, that's what I want. And this is in part because I got to know her, to love her for who she really was. I have had friends that have been able to keep us accountable with all the decisions. And because God granted me the desires of my heart as we sought after him. Because following him is 
always the right thing to do, not just in dating, not just in marriage, not just in parent-child relationships, but everything through your work, through your career, through your major life decisions, everything that you do is through following him. And I want you to understand this. I know this is a, a very difficult topic for some of you today, but I want you to understand the importance of this friendship in academy, the importance of these boundaries, these Christ-centered values, all of this, the purpose of why we date. Because I'm sure you know of many people that have gone dating and broken up and dating and broken up and then been, you know, honestly hurt either by the church, hurt by a fellow Christian, all of this. But if we're able to really be a community that can support, can love, keep each other accountable, be a good friend, a great community, all because we're following him, that would be the right thing to do that we can spur each other on, that we can love each other for who they are, no judgment, no hypocrisy, and that God grant you the desires of your heart. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we um, just thank you for relationships. We thank you that, um, you know, we have people, Lord, that um, we, we can date, that we can love, that we can cherish. And I pray, God, um, this afternoon, Lord, for some may be convicted by this message, for some it may be really difficult. Lord, I, I just pray that, God, you firstly grant them the desires of their heart, that, Lord, they'll be able to come to you with love, with peace, in faithfulness, Lord, to know, God, that you, you will provide, but also, God, that you will guard us in our relationships that we know dating in this world today, it is so different to, God, what you have placed here in your word. But God, you, you have placed us here for our good, for us to, to honour you, for us to love you, for us to know, God, just what you know what's best. When you know what's best when we, based on our feelings, sometimes feel we know but are far from it, God. We thank you that you are our best friend and that you are guiding us, molding us, and shaping us for who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.